Saturday seemed like the culmination of Syracuse Athletics' return after COVID-19. It was when the empty, newly renovated Carry Dome was finally occupied again by a winning SU football team. The Dome, the team, and really our Syracuse community had come a long way. But the Oranges football team isn't the only one who spent months prepping for a September return to sports. All but two fall SU teams have already began playing under these new circumstances. They'll tell you, it wasn't an easy or normal offseason. On the teams who have avoided outbreaks, some are even surprised they're here now. This week, we take you through what coaches, players, and our beat writers of Syracuse Athletics are saying a couple games into 2020's unprecedented fall season. Going for the end zone, he's got a man! I'm KJ Edelman. Run the quick kick. Dungey to get out of the pocket. Looking for the pylon. This is the Daily Orange Sportscast. So before we really get at some of the first games in Syracuse Athletics, Adam Hillman, our football beat writer, literally just sat down after the Orange defeated Georgia Tech in the Caradome 37-20. You were in the Dome, Adam. Yes, I was. First time media members have been allowed since its completion. What was it like when you walked in? Yeah, so when I, when I walked in, you know, you couldn't really tell about the renovations. The renovations weren't very clear. The one thing I did, you know, that was so clear early on was the lack of fans. You know, you walk in, you just have... Know, shutters down on the concession stands and there's no one walking around the only people there can are our security workers and i was about to get in the press box and i heard a voice behind me i turned around it's john wildhack and i was just like this is so weird <laughs> like you never see him normally so yeah i mean i think yeah the uh, first experience with the stadium was that place is it's really nice it's really nice you know the, there's bright lights up top everything's so much brighter now the jumbotron is huge i mean like it looks it's probably nothing close to what the Cowboys is, but that's kind of what it gave me a little bit of mem- <laughs> like memory. So I was just like, oh my God, like this thing is gigantic. The sound system is crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's a really nice stadium. It's really nice. You've covered games before there too. It was that much different, you would say? I'd say the stadium itself is like not that much different. It's just the experience itself is. So, you know, the, the Jumbotron, you know, it's so much bigger than it was before. You know, the sound is so much louder. You know, just there's so many... The lights are so much brighter, you know, the ceiling too, you know, you get natural light into the ceiling. So I think that definitely, you know, the stadium itself might not be big. Just the experience you get from it is so much different than, than previous years. And it was air conditioned, right? No, that doesn't uh, come into effect till next May. No, so, yeah. that's so awful. Eh. I thought it was air conditioned. No, There's no. been way too many hot days in the Caridome for us. Yeah, well, I guess there'll be more. <laughs> <laughs> Game didn't start on time. Supposed to be a no, noon no. start. Um, how did you find out about the COVID nineteen related delay in the press box? Yeah, so I was. We were all sitting there. Um, you know, we're all sitting six feet apart. You know, all the local media, and you know, a bunch of people had their, can- had their phones open. They were ready to record. The, you know, the Syracuse running in for the first time in the season at home, and it hits twelve, and we're like, "Where is it? Where are they? Where is everybody?" And you know, it's twelve oh five, and we're like, "Where are they?" The national anthem plays, and we're like, "This is weird," and then. All of a sudden, Sue, Sue Edson, Syracuse Athletics Head of Communications, walked down and says, walks down, I go, hey, what's going on? She goes, look at our Twitter account. And there's an official statement there about how they needed to retest three personnel. They didn't say it was players or coaches or, you know, trainers or whatever, but crazy times, crazy times. So. Game did start at 1230, though. Yeah, 1235 was the first kickoff. 1235, so. sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, technicalities. <laughs> <laughs> Any precautions when you walked into the dome that was new from your standpoint? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you walk in, you know, you, there's a little tent about across the street from the dome right on ESF campus where they take your temperature. You know, they ask you if you've had any COVID-19 symptoms, you've been in contact with anybody. You know, they, they take your name, you know, and, and you, get your, you get your press pass. So that was different, but I mean, nothing I wasn't really too unfamiliar with given the pandemic. And then other than that, it was all pretty much business as usual. I mean, box lunches instead of box lunches at halftime instead of a pregame lunch, you know, pretty much what I expected. I'm listening to the TV broadcast. I wasn't at the Dome like you. Also, I'm listening to WAR Radiocast 2. And the pumped-in crowd noise is quite loud. Yes. You covered da- games at the Dome before. I mentioned that earlier. How do you compare that noise to what they pumped into the stadium? Oh, my God. It was so much louder today. I, mean, I could not <laughs> hear myself thinking. They were, playing third down. They, were playing, they were playing music on third down. And I was like, there is no way the Dome is ever this loud. I mean, like, I've been there for, you know, I was there at Clemson three years ago, and that game was really loud. But this game is just nothing, you know, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. And it's just, it almost wasn't like, it was weird because, you know, it was the artificial noise. So you get these, like, sometimes you get a little bit cheering on, on cheering and booing and just, like, randomly, like, two hours before the game. And I'm like, that's, there's nobody here. And then other times, you know, it's the cheering would just stop two, two like, seconds before the play was snapped because of the ACC rules so it's just you know it was very odd very eerie but it was much louder than normal and Dino Dino actually said after the game he said I lost my voice because I was screaming so loud I couldn't hear anybody else (laughs) so did the crowd noise affect the players from when you talked to them after did that was that a contentious thing they want to talk about after the game or not really kind of seemed normal yeah, so I mean, I think it's been pretty typical of the other places they played. So we you know we didn't ask any. We only asked Dino about a post game, but I remember asking. It was Todd. Yeah, we asked Todd Harris on Tuesday, and he said, you know, once you get on the field, you know, it's it's not any different. And like these guys have played at Clemson, you know, they've played they've played in pretty tough environments. So I don't think it's anything too new for them. I don't think they're really going to be affected by it that much. Was it a lot quieter when Syracuse offense was on the field? Yeah, there was no noise when Syracuse offense was on the field. It was completely <laughs> dead silent. Of course. And then you get the occasional cheers after a first down and, and the PA announcer streaming first down, but dead silent. Going to the game, what a ridiculous game, right? Oh, my God. You just got back from it. So much fun. From your standpoint, hit us with your biggest takeaways, what you got out of that game. Yeah, I think Tommy, I mean, it's got to be the play of Tommy DeVito. I mean, he for the first game this year, he was he was good. You know, he was really good. You know, he had that one throw on, on, on a third, I believe it was third down, where he rolled out to the right and threw it off his back leg on the run to, to Harris. But other than that, you know, he had to both you know, throw to Harris and throw to Johnson, both touchdowns, both plus 40 yards plus. I mean... He was good. He was sharp. He was getting rid of the ball. I mean, a couple bad plays early on, but it was pretty good, though. Anything else? Anything else stand out? You know, defense. Also, Sean Tucker, you know. Sean Tucker, the running back, had over 100 yards today, true freshman. Jawar Jordan got a bit of an injury early on, and Tucker came on and was just it was great for them. They had two touchdowns in the first quarter, got them out to a 17 nothing lead, and just kept rolling with them, kept rolling, and kept getting first downs all, all day long, so... Definitely, definitely one to watch in the, for the next few years. Okay, so no one wants to talk about defense. I got it. Well, I mean, you can talk, de- talk about the defense, but the defense does this every week, though. I oh, mean, okay. So, I mean, you saw what they did to UNC. I mean, that was one of the best offenses in the conference. So, I mean, to me, I mean, it was more surprising. I mean, I expected the defense to play well. It was more surprising was the offense. Yeah, definitely. One talk a little bit. We did mention the press conferences earlier. Anything stick out from that front? Usually, you run down the elevator, run down the stairs. Yeah. 
go to your press conference, you're looking at everyone dead in the eye, you're not having that today. What was it like? Yeah, it was weird, you know, I'm sitting there with my mask on, trying to talk to Dino, and trying to talk to... And him. you're still in the press box, right? Yeah, I'm still in the press box, and you know, we only got one player, so we only got Trill, Trill Williams, who had the pick six, or he had an interception, then he had the, I guess it was called a fumble recovery for a touchdown, I don't know, when he, when, when... It was uh, a lateral. It was a lateral. I, I don't know what they technically... Yeah, when, uh, uh, when Jahad, Jahad Carter, you know, pitched it back to him, but... Yeah, it was a, it's a little weird, but you know we've had it the past couple weeks, and we've had it had it for the last month or so with press conferences or two months. So I mean, it's not something that I'm not used to, but you know, definitely access is better during normal times. But these obviously not normal times. So anything stick out talking to Georgia Georgia Tech players and coaches? My fellow beat writer Danny Emmerman talked to Jeff Collins, Georgia Tech head coach, and he asked him, you know, what his response or you know what his reaction was, and really just what happened with with the COVID nineteen protocols and like what. He's like, what took place, you know? And Jeff Collins just stood and just stared him straight in the eye and said nothing. And it was like, what is going on here? How long? How long was that quiet? Danny said it took. It was about twenty seconds. Oh my god! It's just like, I mean, you can at least come up with some BS coach speak, you know? It's <laughs> like, like, oh, we had to go back in the locker room and we reloaded, or no, we just stared him straight in the eye and said nothing. So interesting well, stuff. But well, that's twenty twenty for you. Thank you, Adam, for coming on. Appreciate yep. it. Another team who started their season quickly was Syracuse Women's Soccer, which began on September 17th. Knowing they would be one of the first teams to go on the road and play this season, assistant coach Brandon DeNoyer explained the extra precautions they had to go through before playing at Pittsburgh. For the most part with the keeper stuff, a lot of it is just making sure we're wearing our masks and, mm -hmm. and doing the, the needed stuff. But the good thing for keeper training is a lot of it is already socially distanced. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not usually shooting from two feet away. You know, yeah. usually we're shooting from 18 yards away or I'm doing crosses from long distances. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of good for keeper stuff because, you know, we can do a lot of our stuff socially distanced. You know, the keepers always have their masks. They have their gators and stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, that helps. As keepers, we're kind of lucky because field players, they're on top of each other. Mm -hmm. You know, when they're training, they're, they're having to do their stuff, but... We're, we're already kind of social distance as it is, so it mm -hmm. helps us a lot. And, you know, we're just making sure we're not on top of each other. We're making sure when we're not, you know, doing stuff, we're making sure our masks are on. So mm -hmm. we're kind of lucky in that aspect. Before these soccer games, players can't go through the same routine they once did. Sometimes they don't even have a locker room to go to, which is what goalkeeper Lizzie Ann Prulex told us. Well, I don't know. I feel like it's become like the new normal. Like, mm -hmm. we've been all together as a team for like what two months now i mean it's definitely different there's no one in the stadium pretty strict with when we have to wear a mask and when we're allowed to take it off like little stuff like that there's a lot of teams that are not offering locker rooms which is really different because we don't have a place to you know get in the zone or like change or something like that sometimes so i think this changes a lot but uh, at the end of the day it's the same you know we're going to your play so that's what we're doing like in the Carrier Dome, Syracuse women's soccer isn't allowing fans to come to their games. Here's what Lizzie Ann had to say about that. Before, after, and like when there's goals, like yes, it's mm -hmm. a big difference. But I feel when you're playing the game, you don't notice it because you're like you're in the zone and you're focused on what you're doing. So you don't really notice the like external factors of the game, let's say. But definitely when there's goals or before and after the game, like, you notice that it's a bit more quiet than usual. But during the game, it's 
I can't even, I don't know this at all. The biggest differences are before games, Lizzie Ann said, where players have to train and prep before they go onto the field. She said it's a little bit more complicated than one might think. In the training room, we're allowed a maximum amount of players in there, so that changes a lot. We have to sign up for a certain time to be able to go. That's just wearing masks overall and trying to not pass other team in the hallways kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just trying to be like, take the precaution needed to try and be as safe as possible. But yeah, no, up to otherwise it's pretty much the same. Another sport which began scrimmaging in early September is Syracuse Volleyball. Head coach Leon Yellen has been coaching volleyball for three decades, and he said he's never seen anything like this. I don't know how hard it is. It's just so different, you know. Because what you used to be before, it's just so many times, you know, I'm stepping, even I, I'm stepping out of cards and, oh, God, where's my mask? You know what I mean? Even in the locker room, the players has to wear, you know, a mask. We're getting on the floor, warm up, they're in the mask. When we're getting very intensive drills, they're taking masks off. All coaches, even some who are involved in the drill, still with a mask. They're doing good, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I, I can only guess it's hard. They're doing a good job. They're doing a good job. We, we know even it's not mandatory playing in a mask, but it was way before even they decided conference, you know, how we're going to play. Uh, another them reached out to us in coach was asked me to talk to my players because his players, they said they're not going to play without mask. You know, not they are. Who's they going to play against? And if we would say no, we probably would be, we not probably, we would get this as a win. So I talked to my players and they said, as much as we hate to play in the mask, we don't want to lose this game. They said they're gonna they're gonna play in mask. So in uh, probably a week before we're gonna start practicing for them to get used to. Everyone else, as far as I know, in our conference they're gonna be playing without mask, except Louisville, because they have some positive tests and uh, a little bit before, and they was on a quarantine for 14 days. Now, like, it's, it's school required them to play in the mask. Everyone else, and they testing us three times a week. So, in um, our players, again, they do a good job just to stink and interact just with each other, not even going home. I'm talking about somebody who is close to. It's definitely difficult for them. I mean, I, I feel for them. I mean, guys, you know this way better than I am. To be in, in your be a student in your age in a college with 16,000 nice people around and you can even go anywhere, I, I think it is hard. But not every Syracuse team is playing already. The Orange's men's soccer team has canceled scrimmages and already a game after a member of the program tested positive for COVID-19. Last week, our sports editor Andrew Crane broke the news about its game being canceled against Navy and has reported on this story closely. So Syracuse had its second game canceled. It was scheduled for for last Friday against Navy, and that was canceled because of a positive COVID-19 case in the program that dated back to September 13th. That was when the test was taken. They got the results obviously later than that. You know, they've been able to do at least one socially distanced workout based on a source I talked with at Hookway Field. 
but they can't access Manly Fieldhouse. They can't do a full team practice, and that's not until Thursday, the 24th. That was the earliest they could return to practice. So that positive test was on the 13th. You know, we had talked with with McIntyre and players on Tuesday at 4:15 after one of their practices. I'm assuming since they practiced, they didn't know about the case yet. Then a couple days later, they canceled the, a scrimmage against Virginia, which was scheduled for that Saturday. And then, you know, since that the players have still been in quarantine, everybody's tested negative at least three times, and you know, they they're still kind of awaiting that return to to practice. If all goes as planned for them, Thursday the 24th is the first day they could return. They have a, a game scheduled against Pitt on October 3rd at home. I think that game is, is a reasonable expectation to be played. I mean, as long as there were no other setbacks in the COVID-19 testing. Uh, I know we're seeing an uptick in, in cases on campus uh, in regular students. But as of now, men's soccer just had that one case on the 13th. So it's already you know almost 10 days since that test was taken. So I think, you know, as long as there are no other positive tests and there's nothing on Pitt's end, I think we can expect Syracuse's season to officially begin on October 3rd. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week dissecting Syracuse football's 3-3-5 defense and all of its complexities. KJ Edelman is our host and editorial director. Elizabeth Tama is the podcast editor. Skylar Rivera is our sports digital editor. Lucas Serio is our executive producer. Kylie Harlihi was also a producer for this episode. Thank you to Adam and Andrew for coming on and our respective DOV writers for our Syracuse Athletics interviews during this episode. We'll see you next time.